Well, this morning, we definitely see the fact that there is changes coming in our seasons. We put our sweaters on, and although we see the sunshine, we have to stay warm. Uh, this morning, I would like to talk a little bit about the application of God's Word. What do I mean by application? I was sent this book. It's a small book. It's called, you know, The Goal of Applying God's Word. And one of the prefaces in when the beginning of the chapter says, goes like this. It says, while studying in the, the Holy Lands, a seminary professor of mine met a man who claimed that he, to have memorized the Old Testament in Hebrew. Needless to say, he was ast this astonished the professor, and he asked for a demonstration. A few days later, they sat together in the man's home. Well, where should I begin? Asked the man. Psalm 1, replied the professor, who was an avid student of the Psalms. Beginning with Psalm 1, 1, the man began to recite from memory while the professor followed along in his Hebrew Bible. For two hours, the man continued word for word without a mistake as the professor sat in stunned silence. When the demonstration was over, my professor discovered something even more astonishing about him. He was an atheist. Think about this. Here was someone who knew the scriptures better than most Christians ever will, and yet didn't even believe in God. This is the backstory of applying God's word. How does that really apply? What does that really mean? We can be knowledgeable. We can have every ounce. And Paul says it too. You know, it's, it's about love. It's about the, about the love of God, even the way Paul describes it. But to be able to understand the Scripture and know it and yet not apply it doesn't move us forth in sanctification towards our heavenly goal. Now, I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about how you look, show yourself to other people. I'm talking about when you take the Word of God into your heart, how does it change you as an individual? And will you allow it to change you as an individual? Because it's very pertinent to us. It's very, it's very, very important to us in terms of our growth towards heaven. We have this resurrected Lord Jesus who comes to us in the form of the Holy Spirit and he teaches us things through his word. And if we take the effort, maybe it is, for ourselves to put it into practice, we're applying God's word. Now, it might not look different for every individual in terms of the word application, but apt to apply things in, in our lives is taking something that we have learned based on our experiential base and to put it into practice to be shown or given to others. I'm not talking about it in, in terms of being judgmental. I'm not talking about it in terms of being present so that other people say, oh, 
there is so-and-so and they're so into the word and they're so this and they're so that. It's about a life change, which I've talked a lot about. It's about like making a choice of having Jesus in your life. And when you have Jesus in your life, how that actually motivates you towards Jesus. And that motivation towards Jesus makes you shine as what we know as Christian. Because your life changes. The things you do are different. The friends that perhaps you used to have, and we don't have this necessarily in our specific congregations, because most of us have come and are in Christianity for most of our lives. But think about it. Think about someone coming in to Christianity. One of the women that I knew as an older elderly woman, as a kid, during a conversation that I had with her years and years ago, said, when I first came into Christianity, I looked around and I saw all these people and they were so good. I thought I'd never measure up. And every time I tried to do something and I failed, falling into sin, she was talking about, she said, I thought God was going to drop a hot rock on my head. I thought I was going to die. God loves us so much that he's not going to let us go that way. He will send us a reminder somehow to lift us up and to pull us back and to show us through someone else's application of the word that we are his and we belong to him. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And, you know, with the prayer that God is going to, through the Holy Spirit, open up his word to us and to be able to understand that word in our own mind and to be able to put that word into practice and to be able to understand and to be able to share this. Peter writes in the first couple of verses of this first chapter in, in terms of greeting, starting from verse 3 on. So the word of God in Jesus' name as follows. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being protected by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle with various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined by fire, and honor the great revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him, though you have not seen him. And having not seen him, now you believe in him and rejoice in the inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith through the salvation of your souls. Isn't this something? Think about this for a minute or two. Think about what Peter is saying here. Peter being witness, both on the positive and the negative, of Jesus. He's so into wanting to profess and to be close to Jesus that he makes mistakes 
And yet Jesus chooses him as the rock, the rock upon which his church is going to be built. Why is that? Because not only is Peter a believer and desperately wanting to believe, but he is also very human and he makes mistakes. And in those mistakes, there's salvation. And in those mistakes, there is a picture of what he says here that may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him though you have not seen him and though not seeing him now, you have believed in him and rejoice with the inexpressible and glorious joy. This is why when you see a new believer coming into Christianity, you can see the infectious joy that they have, that they want to share, that they want to give, that they want you to understand that they now know because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning salvation, the prophet who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance about messianic sufferings and the glories that would follow it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but individually put your name there. You. They were serving you. They were coming to the knowledge that not only were they included, but so were you. So is God's congregation exclusive or inclusive? You belong there. You are. You're it. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to, those, uh, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now, this is really important. Those things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels desire to look into these things. Now think about this. If you get this word preached to you, it kind of makes the angels jealous, a little envious. Why? Because even Jesus said we were made a little higher than the angels. And look what the angels' responsibilities are to all of us. You're important. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now how is this possible? Because when we try to discern this between our human nature and our heavenly nature, our spiritual nature, there is a big distinction between sin and salvation. Sin is a departure from God. Salvation is an inclusion to God. So how can we justify this in our minds? Well, we justify this in our minds by application. 
by the applying of the word of God that comes through us through the Holy Spirit as we move from this point on towards our goal, heaven. This isn't something that comes naturally to an unbeliever because the unbeliever is blinded by their own self-ambition to making themselves known as to whatever they are. And even in, like it said in this opening statement that I read from this book, someone who is totally, totally against God can know scripture and in its original context, language, better than people who profess to be believers. Now, if we looked at this, we can look at this in two ways. If the person who is an unbeliever or an atheist can understand and know and study the word of God and, and know it completely, and someone who knows God through the Holy Spirit and is completely uh, given up to that, what's more important in the terms of what they know? Is it more important that you know the Word of God word, word for word, can re repeat it word for word in its original context? That is important. But what is more important is the applying of your faith through the Holy Spirit that you get when you come to know and understand, number one, that your sins are completely forgiven, never to be, be remembered by God, who is the ultimate judge, or by our human side that says that the devil can come to and tempt and prompt and tease and do whatever he does to get us to give up our faith. What's the most important thing? Is that through all that chaos that we have in our sinful self, we can leave that all up on the outside when we begin to apply the word of God into our heart. It seems pretty simple. But so does faith. And it is simple. Who complicates it? Who, makes it? who makes it difficult? We do. I can speak for myself. I do. I want to complicate it. I want to say, but what if? But, what, but then? But how? And that's really not important. When it comes to the love of Jesus Christ who has permeated everything in my life and allowed me in my former self to begin to know him and to come to know him in my new self, my new rebirth, the person that is going to try to take God's word and apply it into the, the rest of their life. So we take all of this and we have to somehow put this in perspective because we're still going to be traveling on this road of faith. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And if you address as father the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. This is exactly what I was talking about. 
what he's talking about fear is not to be afraid of, of <laughs> banishment or not being accepted. What he's talking about, Peter, is he's talking about through experience. Be fearful of the God who can take you or give you salvation. Because if you choose not to take it, there is great fear coming at the end. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like the lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end times for you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. By the obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this was the word of God preached to you as the gospel. Do we need to say anything more this morning? Do we need to lift our hearts up in praise and glory to the Heavenly Father who has taken us miserable souls and allowed us to be free, to allow us to have this Jesus, to put our faith into this Jesus and have him impart through his resurrection the Holy Spirit to us so that we have this, we have this opportunity to apply this wonderful and life-giving word through the blood of Jesus Christ in the gospel of his glory, the resurrection of the dead, that you and I, even living in our life, have been resurrected from a sin, fallen creature to a heaven-bound glorious flower that's never going to fade away. And that was what I was thinking about this week when I was looking around and starting to see the signs of fall where the season changes and things start to change in color and they're starting to lose the sunlight so there's no chloroform left in the leaves as much and so they're going to turn to some natural color that they have and they're going to fall off. But they are a testament, my friends. They're a testament to who our Creator is. And in this creation has made a way or even me to be heaven acceptable. And if I can share this with you, um, I want to, because I want you to know that in your heart, I want you to know this in your heart, that there is no one dirty little child that God isn't gonna pick up out of the mud and isn't gonna wash with his son's blood and make you shine brighter and more glorious than any star that we can see in heaven. 
Believe this, my friends. Take this, my friends. Make this be your application Sunday, if you will, to put your life more in focus with Jesus. That's all he wants. That's all he's asking. In Jesus' name, amen.